Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and good morning. Welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown, now part of the Global Ag Network. Angie Setzer, how are you doing this morning? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. So it looks like uh, yesterday the the, uh, market went ahead and sold off everything it had and uh, decided it wanted to go ahead and take the tank beforehand, especially since we went ahead and jumped the gun and just went ahead and raised the, the tariffs on everything before we were actually said we were. So um, the Chinese uh, kind of went back on what they thought, made Trump mad, sent out a few tweets, kind of threw things into a, wor- a whirl here, but kind of sounds like we're back to square one on this whole deal. Well, yeah, uh, this morning is... Even more interesting, right? Uh, so, so yeah. If you would have asked me last Friday um, what I was thinking, I just said, "Well, it looks like we've got a deal in place. Looks like next week will be great. Chinese president's coming in June. You know, life is good. Now we're going to focus on what weather's doing, and that's not really conducive to accelerated planning pace across the country. So we should have a really good week next week." That would have been my commentary seven days ago. Uh, Sunday night, we woke up, of course, or didn't wake up. We were getting ready to make dinner, basically, and President Trump tweets that uh, Chinese aren't willing to work with us or are looking to uh, renegotiate the deal that had been agreed upon in the first place, and that he was going to go ahead and increase tariffs uh, from 10% to the 25% that we were going to do, but it agreed on holding back from as of December 1st. And so that just sent the markets into a tailspin. Down 13 on corn, down 20 on beans. And pretty much we spent the rest of the week ignoring what weather was gonna look like and focused entirely on the lack of Chinese trade negotiations or the lack of of a resolution there. And um, on the bearish USDA report that's expected to come out today. So just really everything transitioned from, okay, maybe we're going to see the shorts start to leave this position. Maybe we're going to see this market start to turn around and and things are going to be what we've expected them to be for a while now. And I guess I should have known, right? Mm -hmm. So last night at 12.01, we put Eastern time, if you're keeping the score at home, we put the tariffs in place, went up to 25% versus the 10% that they were in on. And uh, this morning, President Trump basically, well, yesterday was a lot of news back and forth, beautiful letters, phone calls were going to happen. We were going to have an announcement on what was going to take place last evening. Nothing came about. They had dinner, probably some hamburgers or something. And uh, um, that was it. This morning we woke up to President Trump. He had tweeted a complete and total thread um, that kind of indicated that the wheels had fallen off and uh, deleted it. And so then I felt like the the kid that had been sick on Tuesday when the big deal had happened at middle school or whatever, because I missed what the the thread was that he had deleted. And then he went ahead and retweeted it and basically indicated this morning that um, 
we don't need Chinese trade. We're going to make $250 billion or we're, we're tariffing $250 billion worth of goods. And of the money that we're going to make on that, we're going to take $100 billion and use it to buy U.S. agricultural commodities and donate that to humanitarian, you know, in humanitarian efforts to other countries. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that one too. I don't know what it means. The market doesn't yeah. either because the market right now is like, okay, so this is a failure of a conversation. Does the president have the power to just unilaterally decide that we're going to go ahead and, and spend $100 billion on agricultural goods? What does it look like? Uh, do we build bins? Do we have government storage? Do we go back to the 80s? What what exactly is taking place? So yeah. uh, we went from having a lot of questions to having even more questions and happy Friday. That's right. all I got. I'm, I'm, I'm already done for the day, ready to go start, uh, you yeah. know, planting flowers and sipping beverages, I guess. But the weather is too cold to do that and rainy, so yeah. I'm, I'm hosed on that idea too. Yep. Well, you and I both know that when the government gets involved in anything, it, it always works out well for everyone involved. So, there's, I mean, <laughs> come on, man. Someone said this morning, tarp for farmers. Um, and you and I both already know what the societal opinion of farmers tends to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the last thing we really need is, an, I mean, because we set aside this $12 billion in payments, right? So that, that was put aside. We had the MFP. Um, it was $1.67 a bushel. So what does $12 billion look like? Um, you know, and I go back to my original idea, and I got a lot of crap for it, and that's fine, whatever. The USDA has the power to make a whole bunch of bushels disappear pretty quickly. They just don't seem smart enough to be like, oh, poof. Yeah. They're gone. You know, and maybe we start to see that. I don't know, but that's a free way of doing it, but... Yeah, I got a lot of crap for saying. Are you saying the USDA manipulates numbers? Yes, because I'm the first person ever to to indicate that that could be the case. But yeah, so we have the report today, but I guess we'll see um, if the market even pays attention to what those numbers look like. So as bad as this really is, as bad as the wheels have fallen off the bus, and and as bad as the the talks have have really uh, disintegrated into what we see at now. There's a little bit of a positiveness there. I mean, at least now the market knows where where to be trading at, right? I mean, at least they know that. I mean, we don't have a deal, but we we just going to continue not having a deal with China. And we're just going to go ahead and, and factor that kind of to the side a little bit, almost, and start yeah, looking at so. at the at the crop conditions and, and the weather conditions that are going to be influencing our our crop here in the U.S. And yeah, I mean, I always say that the unknown tends to favor the bear. It's very rare to have an unknown or uncertainty and have it be bullish other than when it comes to the idea that you're losing production, right? I mean, otherwise, when it comes to demand, you know, not seeing continuous confirmation of something taking place from a demand structure standpoint, um, you know, really tends to be negative. It's a a sell signal. Um, And so... Yeah, I guess at this point in time, I would rather, if, if that's the case, if that's what's going to happen, I would rather just let the chips lie, send the Chinese delegation home, figure out what this $100 billion purchase plan looks like that I'm really super pumped about. <laughs> I, 
Um, yeah, you mean and, both. And go from there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm getting tired of this. Well, next week we have this meeting, and if this works out, and the marketing market is factoring in positive talks. You know. Mm-hmm. Let's be done with it. Let's just say we're not going to be friends anymore. We're breaking up. And eventually it'll change. Right. Right. And, and at least then it's not this huge pressure built, you know, sitting on top of the market. Yeah. The one part about the China thing that, that people get fired up about, and I get it, but there's a finite amount of soybeans, finite, finite amount of corn, finite amount of beef, pork, so on and so forth. And even if China doesn't directly buy beans from us or doesn't directly buy cattle from us or doesn't directly buy pork from us, they're going to buy it from us via some other place, right? Somehow. So yeah. somehow, some way, they're going to, our, our crop is going to, it's not going to just going to sit here and rot. I mean, it's, it's yeah. that, that's kind of the misconception that you, that you hear when you listen to Fox News and yeah. MSNBC and all these different people. Like, oh my God, I think just going to sit here and rot and we're never going to sell anything again. It, yeah. There's only so many soybeans that get made in the world. I mean, it's, no. it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I mean, that's where I've really gotten more angry about the China trade talks is, you know, and I think we had mentioned it. If we hadn't mentioned it, I talked about it on Twitter here not long ago with the, the Ag Bankers Association went to D.C. Mm-hmm. and all of their lobbyists were like, we need to fix the China thing because it's hurting farmers. Well, it's a BS sort of stance. I mean, yes, it, it isn't great. The last thing you want when you have overabundant supplies is to remove one of your biggest buyers from the market structure, someone who's in the process of buying more and more. You know, the last thing you want to do is poke them in the chest. But the reality is um, the reason the markets are trading where they're trading, yes, there is an influence that the Chinese trade conversation is having just simply because it's a headline risk. It's a, a something that people who may not know what actually is taking place from an overall supply and demand standpoint in the commodity sector are just kind of sellers. Oh, well, that has to be negative to soybeans because China's the biggest buyer. Soybeans sell. Okay, cool. We have 900 million bushels of soybeans left over at the end of this year. Like that's nine times the amount that you would consider um, the the low end of stocks. Like 100 million bushels is considered pipeline minimum for carryout in soybeans. That's we were under just under 100 million bushel the last when we had $17 beans, you know. Mm. We're nine times that. Right. We're the largest carryout in, in basically in, on record. And the last time we had a stocks use ratio this high, we were trading LDP. We were using LDP as a, a factor in making marketing decisions. So, I mean, this idea that the, the bean market's going to go to $10 if we get a Chinese trade resolution, the only way that would happen is if the Chinese trade resolution was that China was going to purchase 500 million bushel of our soybeans. Right. And yeah. Why would they? I mean, yeah. unless they do it behind the scenes, which China is, is interesting. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had a friend tweet this morning that the Chinese have the largest government stocks, you know, on record globally. They have like 6 billion bushel of corn and blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, Trump obviously is not a fan of, you know, being second to China. So we're going to go ahead and, and have the, the largest global stocks. We're going to work our way towards that. I'm like, please don't. I need a drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so that's that's where we're at right now. I mean, it's it's still a lot of unknowns. Um, it's a developing thing. Um you know, and, and the one thing that I can say that I'm pretty certain of is that everyone's really bearish going into today's USDA report, which I would much prefer to see, not necessarily prefer to see, but if you're bearish going into a report, how bearish do the numbers have to be to continue to hit the sell button? So at least we have that going for us is, you know, what what kind of structure do we see? And 
you know, the one thing that we're not talking about that we really should be is um, what is taking place from a planting standpoint. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's important. really fallen yeah. to the wayside. And, and I had said a month ago, okay, if we're still dealing with cold, wet conditions by Mother's Day, it's going to be a big deal. Well, here we sit. It's Mother's Day. And the market's just like, whatever, wake us up in June. We'll figure it out then. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. You know what takes place today. I mean, to me, that to me, the the growing conditions and planting conditions we see right now is a way way bigger deal than what than what we Huge. see with immediate yeah. deal with China. You know, we see with China. I mean, yeah, we're talking like I states that have less than ten percent of their crop planted right now. We have yeah. people that they aren't even going to get stuff planted probably at all because well, there's it's a nice. I saw a thing on that on Twitter the other day. Someone was on a pontoon boat driving through where their their cornfield was. You know what I mean? I mean, so stuff like that. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, there's going to be acres lost. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of how much and yep. whether or not they're lost or if they're planted to something else, soybeans or something like that. And so, um, you know, one of the things that you have to be aware of is that it's hard to be bullish corn on planting delays and bullish soybeans too, just simply because we learned in 2015 you can put soybeans in in Missouri until July. Right. You know, they were planting soybeans 4th of July. But looking in North Dakota, looking at Illinois, mm-hmm. looking in Minnesota, you know, a lot of these places that were supposed to be drier here this week um, were had like a two-day window of dryness. Um, there was some progress. I mean, if you look at southwest Iowa, so you go Des Moines to the south and west, I would say that most of the folks that I talk to are pretty well wrapped up. You know, they, they've been dry, they've been able to get the, the crop planted, and they're happy. You go east and north, north of I-80 from what I'm hearing, you know, guys are about half done on corn, or maybe they see the window, you know, they, they see the light at the end of the tunnel, they're pretty close to being wrapped up. But you go east of uh, I-35, different story. Right. Um, so there's a lot that's going on there. Illinois, huge. You know, May 10th, it's, it's been documented that planting after May 10th it is, is um, has resulted each time in a, a yield loss oh, of gosh. some sort from maximum yield. Last year at this time, they were close to 75% planted. We'll be lucky if they're 20%, 25% planted this week. Um, and there's still rain in the forecast. You look at the yeah. the one to three and four to, uh, and four to seven day forecast now. So this was supposed to be our window of dryness. You look at those forecasts and each day there's a chance of rain. Um, not a lot, quarter to a half inch, but anything it's is too to much when down. you're already wet. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the deferred, the, the extended forecast, six to 10, eight to 14 day. They do show, they do indicate a little bit more dryness out beyond the, the week from now um, until you get to the 8 to 14 day. Right. So 6 to 10, 8 to 14 day tend to overlap, right? So you look at 8 to 14 and the moisture above normal precipitation starts to move east and we're supposed to stay cool right along. So mm-hmm. I'm not an agronomist, but I do know that last year anyone that planted ahead of a really heavy cold rain ended up having to replant their corn um, simply because it just, the stand was so poor once everything was said and done. So that's another factor. I mean, it was what, 42 degrees yesterday in, in Iowa for a high, um, in portions of Northern Iowa. I mean, you're just not, and the market's just like, yeah, cool, whatever, wake us up. But you know what? Shame on, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. You're not going to fool me again. Um, and that was, you know, kind of the market statement right now is we've told them that there's a crop problem since, you know, we've, 
2013, which we did lose acres in 2013, but we still had decent yield. Um, you know, we told them every year, oh no, it's, it's this is a big deal. We've got a total crop failure here, and then we produced a not crop failure crop. And so I can see why they kind of be like, hmm, we'll see. Right. Um, but it really is a it is a big deal. It's something yeah. that should be paid attention to, and, and a story that should be traded a hell of a lot more. Excuse me, <laughs> heck of a lot more than uh, the China thing for corn, especially. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot more factors out there than just China right now, and uh, I, I need people need to realize that. <clears throat> and it's it's yeah, China's a big deal. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that in any way, shape, form, or fashion, but there's a there's a bigger story to be told immediately right China now that'll affect it. Yeah, they have six billion bushel of corn. Why right. is China the Chinese trade negotiation not getting solved bearish to corn? Right. They already have more corn than God. That's right. Wait. Okay. Exactly right. Exactly right. All right, a couple things here real quick. If it's graduation season, if you guys are looking to uh, get a book for somebody, get this book here, Do Business Better with Damien Mason. That's a, that's a good book, good read, a lot of good information there. Part of, part of the Global Ag Network that me and Angie both are part of. Uh, give the guys down at the Dryline Farm Podcast uh, a tweet, and they'll send you a koozie out. And Angie can be also heard on her other podcasts that she does girls talk ag and uh so they have a they have a lot of a lot of good stuff there it's a good time and it's uh it's quite quite entertaining i enjoy listening to it so angie if folks want to reach out to you get some more information about the stuff we talked about here how would how would they do that you can find me on twitter at goddess of grain or you can email me at a setzer at citizens elevator.com right on well angie have a good weekend enjoy all this great china news that we're going to hear for the next infinite amount of time <laughs> and uh enjoy happy mother's day thank you We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and GlobalAgNetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Moving iron in the 21st century.